My uncle was the mayor of Jerusalem during the British mandate. During the last day before they leave, there was a lot of fighting and bombing. And uh, during this last night, he heard uh, banging on the door. And he was afraid. And he asked, who is it? British, British Army. Army. He thought maybe they came to arrest him. So <laughs> he opens the door in pyjama. And there was a British corporal and uh, two soldiers with Tommy guns pointed toward him. The corporal said, Are you Daniel Oster? He said, yes. His Highness the High Commissioner appointed you an officer of the British Empire. Here it is, sir, back face, forward march. <laughs> and they left him like this in his pyjama. That's Eli Raka the nephew of Daniel Oster, the first Jew to be appointed mayor of Jerusalem since Byzantine times. Interestingly, while Tel Aviv does make an appearance in the text of the Declaration of Independence, Jerusalem, the supposedly eternal capital of the Jewish people, does not. Want to know why? Listen on. Hey, I'm Mishi Harman, and this is Israel Story. Israel Story is brought to you by the Jerusalem Foundation and the Times of Israel. So, Israel is turning 75, and we feel this is a moment for us to step back and take stock. To ask where we came from, where we are, and where, for God's sake, we're going. And in order to answer those questions, we decided to go back to the basics— Our series, Signed, Sealed, Delivered, looks at our founding moral compass, Megillat HaTzmaut, or the Declaration of Independence. 37 people signed Megillat HaTzmaut, and over the course of the past several months, our team has diligently tracked down the closest living relative of each one of these signatories and interviewed them. We talked about their ancestors and families, about the promise of the Declaration, the places in which we delivered on that promise, the places in which we exceeded our wildest dreams, and also about the places where we fell short. And it is through these descendants of the men and women who, with a strike of a pen, gave birth to this country of ours, that we wish to learn something about ourselves. Today we'll meet Daniel Oster, and his nephew, Eli Raka. He'll present one of the many political perspectives we'll be featuring throughout the series. We'll be right back. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? 
What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. Hey listeners, it's Mishi. Last week we released our 50th wartime diary. This week is Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmaut. And as a way of marking this milestone, and these dates, Yochai Meital and I will have a series of onstage conversations in New York and Cleveland. We'll discuss the process of creating wartime diaries, talk about some of the challenges we've encountered, the dilemmas we've had, the insights we've gained. So if you want to hear what covering the evolving story of this war has been like for us, we'd love to see you at one of our events. All the details are on our site, israelstory.org. And meanwhile, wishing us all calm and peaceful days ahead. Okay, we're back. Here's our producer Lev Cohen with Eli Raka, Daniel Oster's nephew. Daniel Oster was born in Galicia in 1893 and earned a law degree from the University of Vienna before making Aliyah in the spring of 1914. He arrived just before the outbreak of World War I and was, indeed, soon drafted into the Austrian army, serving as an officer in the Damascus headquarters of Jamal Pasha, the region's governor and military commander. After the war, Oster settled in Jerusalem, married Julia Mani, the daughter of the Hevron-born justice Malkiel Mani, and opened a law practice. He was, according to the 1921 local phone book, one of just seven practicing lawyers in town. He was civically active, helped found the neighborhood of Rechavia, and served on the city council as deputy mayor. And then, amid endless drama and maneuvering between the city's Jewish, Muslim, and Christian politicians, as acting mayor. He was officially appointed to the city's top job by the British High Commissioner in the summer of 1944, after the death of Mustafa al-Khaldi. He was a member of the Tzionim Haklali'im, the General Zionists, a centrist political party that supported Chaim Weizmann, rather than Ben-Gurion, and that is today considered to be one of the ideological ancestors of the Likud party. For a while, he believed that the placement of his signature on the Declaration of Independence just below that of Ben-Gurion, was a virtue of his position as mayor of what poet Yehuda Amichai once called, quote, the port city on the shores of eternity. Instead, it was due to his last name starting with the letter Aleph, or A, as everyone after Ben-Gurion signed in alphabetical order. He unsuccessfully ran for the first Knesset on an independent list called Fort Jerusalem, receiving a grand total of... 842 votes nationwide. 
Humiliated, he continued to serve as mayor of the new state's capital till 1951. For the rest of his life, till his death in 1963, at the age of 69, he worked as a lawyer, and also, somewhat randomly, as Thailand's honorary consul general in Israel. Here he is, recalling the not-so-pleasant conversation he had with the prime minister after signing, or, as Ben-Gurion saw it, scribbling a mess, at the bottom of the Declaration of Independence. I signed with my usual signature, which David Ben-Gurion, well, didn't like. He said, what is this, Oster? Do you know what it is you're signing here? I said, I know exactly what I'm signing, and I know it's an historic document that will remain for generations upon generations. But what can I do? This is my signature. And if I sign in some other manner, it simply won't be my signature. He said, but your signature is entirely illegible. I said, I know. I'm very sorry. But as a function of having served as the mayor of the city for so long, I had to ruin my signature given the vast number of signatures I had to sign every day. But that is my signature. I have no other. I am Eli Raka. I live here in Tel Aviv. I am the nephew of Daniel Oster. There are no living children of his today. His son, Eli, we are all called uh, Eliyahu because of my grandfather who was Rabbi of Hebron, Rabbi Eliyahu Mani. Eli, Daniel Oster's son, he was about 16 years old and he played with the gun of Daniel Oster bodyguard and uh, the gun fired and, and he was killed by it. I am the first kin of him. came from the Austro-Hungarian Empire to Jerusalem in uh, 1914, during the Ottoman period. When the First World War erupted in August 1914, he was uh, drafted to the Austrian army in Jerusalem, and he was sent to Damascus, and he served there as an Austrian officer. During 1917, when there was a Balfour Declaration. Zionism movement became allied with Great Britain, the enemy of the Axis. Zionism was banned. There was an underground called Nili that uh, spied for the British in Palestine. Two of them, Belkind and Lishansky, were caught and brought to Damascus and hanged there. And he saw it from the window of his office. And he was very afraid because before the war, he worked for Arthur Rupin, the financer of the Zionist movement. They had a trick. In Palestine, the gold coin was worth four ordinary coins. And in Istanbul, the gold coin was worth five. So they bought gold coins in Palestine. And Daniel Oster was sent to Istanbul to change them for simple coins. And that's how they made a lot of money for the Zionist movement. 
he had a friend who was a journalist and he told him the story, but he told him, don't publish it. If you publish it, I'll be in trouble. So when he was in the headquarters and saw the two Neely people hanged, he also uh, received newspapers from Palestine. And there he saw his story. And he said, now they're going to hang me. Luckily, the Turkish generals didn't read it, but he was very afraid. When he came back to Jerusalem, he said, why did you publish it? You promised not to publish it. He said, yes, I wasn't in the office and some other journalists find it in my drawers and he published it. I'm so sorry. During the 30s, the Jews were uh, the majority in Jerusalem. So he was elected mayor. But the British High Commissioner told the Jewish agency that uh, they cannot appoint a Jew as a mayor of Jerusalem because the Arabs will uh, rise. The Jewish agency agreed with the British that an Arab will be appointed as a mayor, but it will be an Arab that the Jews will choose. (laughs) They chose uh, an Arab called Khaldi. My uncle was a vice mayor. And uh, when my parents got married, my parents are uh, photographed with Daniel Oster and with the Arab mayor of Jerusalem, Khaldi. My uncle was a very conservative man, always uh, photographed with all the frocks and hats and ties and uh, the whole set. And uh, he was very strict with what should be done and what shouldn't be done. He was not the uncle to play with. He was a very uh, distinguished person. We like to hear his views about the politics of this time. Jerusalem was always a multicultural uh, place. Jews and Arabs and Haredis and uh, secular people. And he was used to it. I mean, he had good relations with Haredi uh, politicians, but he was very secular. He would have been annoyed by the fact that uh, in his neighborhood, Rahavia, and he was one of the founders of Rahavia, there are so many uh, Haredi Jews today. It's not a surprise that Jerusalem is not part of the declaration. Ben-Gurion didn't mention Jerusalem because he knew that it will make a lot of antagonism. According to the UN resolution making the Jewish state and an Arab state, Jerusalem was to be an international city. And he knew that if he will put Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel, it will make a lot of antagonism in the world. Of course, it gave me a lot of pride that he was uh, one of the signatories. The Declaration of Independence is uh, very important, and uh, even today, when we fight against uh, ideas of abolishing the judicial system, we base our claims on this Declaration of Independence. And of course, he understood it and he approved of it. Although it's a Declaration of Independence of the Jewish state, it's also a Declaration of Human and Minorities' Rights. 
My uncle died in 1963. Jerusalem changed very much during the years. When I grew in Jerusalem, it was a, a very small city. The Jewish part of Jerusalem separated from the eastern part that was Jordanian. We didn't talk about Palestinians, but about Jordan. That's the city I knew. And then, after the Six Days War, Jerusalem changed very much. And the whole unification, I don't think it brought Jerusalem to good things. Of course, as the first mayor of Jerusalem, if he could live in the time of 1967, when the city was reunited, my uncle would have been very glad about it. All of us were thrilled. There were only one or two or three people who warned us, like the prophet Jeremiah, you know, warned from the catastrophe. Now we are seeing that they were right, but in those times, none of us saw it. Waking up from the dream took some years later. The unification in 1967 was bad because it gave, let's say, the more religious all kind of we call them Messiah uh, ideas, that the Messiah is coming and it's our role to make the whole country Jewish and to expel the Arabs and so on. They became more and more important in the politics of the State of Israel. That's why I am for the two-state solution. I don't think that Jerusalem can be a model for multicultural city especially not with all the extremists that are governing today's government. And for my part, I'm also for dividing it between the Jewish state and the Arab state. The idea of the two-state solution, I don't see practically how we can have it. So, <laughs> I, I can only be pessimistic. Mitch Ginsberg and Lev Cohen are the senior producers of Signed, Sealed, Delivered. Our staff also includes Yochai Meital, Zev Levi, Adina Karpuch, Jamal Rishek, Hadas Kidron, Shoshana Sara, Shira Shans Khalil, Ross Bordeaux, Yael Ben Chorin, and Rotem Tzin. Sela Weisblum is our sound engineer. Zev Levi scored and sound designed the episode, with music from Blue Dot Sessions. Our music consultants are Tomer Kariv and DJ Yoni Turner. And our dubber is Yoav Yefet. The episode was recorded in our very own Nomi Studios. You can catch up on all our regular Israel Story episodes, as well as the other signed, sealed, delivered mini-sodes on our site, israelstory.org, or by searching for Israel Story wherever you get your podcasts. You can and should also check out our home at timesofisrael.com slash podcasts. And of course, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all under Israel Story. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of Israel Story, email us at sponsor at israelstory.org. This series is dedicated to the memory of my beloved father, David Harmon who was a true believer in the values of the Declaration of Independence, in Zionism, in democracy, and most of all, in equality. 
I'm Mishi Harman, and we'll be back next time with another installment of Signed, Sealed, Delivered, and a completely different perspective on Israel's Declaration of Independence. Till then, Shalom Shalom, and Yalla bye. Yerushalayim shel zahav, shel emet vekazav, balevavot mimarab vead mizrach. Gam shel arak, jaras, dvash, dam vechalav, shelo bochim alav merov shehu nishpach. Ech, meot monim, shel mine minim, betatezanim, beyachat tosesim, ufchim lesider shel outsiderim. Mikol pina tiktuk shel timerim, skaterim bestraimelim, ze perch shelo yicholim alav shum grinderim. Yerushalayim shel nechoshet, shel kodesh, veboshet, shel omek, veomes, tinofet, venofet, vetofet, svachoret, shel osher, veolet, veofet. וקוטל ואומץ, או כמה אומץ ברחובות של ג'רוז, באך קרלי באך פיירוז והבלוז, שותה נקי בלי דילוג, בלי גיזוז, אני מי שהזמין אתכם לזוז. ברוכים ירושלים של אור, אורגנוז אורגינלי, עשויה אוריגמי, לחוצה כמו פאבלה, אורנמנטים אורבניים, אורנים אוריינטליים, עיר באפור, ואף אור לא יבנה לה, בלי טובות, בלי הוואנט, בלי לחשבן לתל אביב, בלי פשרות, בלי היגיון, בלי להעליב, יום בלי גבולות, יום בלי חוק וסינג סינג, ירושלים שמה את הבלינג בתוך הבלינג, מה זה אומר אם זאת העיר הכי פאקטאפ, ואני יותר מדי פאקטאפ בשבילה? מה זה אומר עליי אם אני שמעתי שיר במקום שבו שמעתם קללה?